In these last days, the Bible predicts a turning away from biblical truth. In order to combat false teachings that are running rampant and a growing lack of biblical literacy, Behold Israel provides weekly public readings of Scripture to equip you with the pure Word of God, read in an international community with interaction and application. Each week, we host different guests from all walks of life. Our original readings can be found on our Behold Israel community channel on YouTube or on our Facebook channel. These are audio versions created to make it convenient for your busy schedule. Now, on to our readings. Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. They did not have printing presses back in the days of the first century, so they would rely on readers and assemblies. People would come together and they would listen, especially the epistles when they were circulating around the Bible world. They would be read in a public situation and the people would just listen to the entire epistle. With us again tonight is Andy Mills, who is the head of public reading of Scripture and actually inspired us to be involved in it. It's good to have you back, Andy. Oh, it's wonderful to be back, Mike. Thank you very much. You know, you have a ministry called Grace and Mercy Foundation, and you're partnered with not just Behold Israel, but many ministries. Can you give us kind of a scope? We're not the only ones doing PRS. There's many others doing it in their own way. Can you give our viewers just kind of a sample of what actually happens and how others do it? Just maybe some examples. Yeah, no, thank you. And, you know, your introduction talking about how in the Old Testament people would gather together to listen is really the inspiration for public reading of Scripture. This is not a new practice. We're really just returning to an old traditional practice. And we did this because we looked at the increasing or the, the decreasing knowledge of the Bible that people typically have, particularly in the Western world. And we looked at why that might be. And while people hear a few verses at Scripture at church, really the onus is on the individual to, to read their Bible alone during the course of the rest of the week. And we know that when you're ever, whenever you do anything on your own, you're never very good at it. And particularly when you get into February, those dark days of February, and you're in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, etc. You know, people fall off. And as a result, people are not just spending as much time in the Word as they need to be. And so we looked at the old practice that we see in Scripture of gathering people together to listen and Paul's exhortation for, uh, to Timothy that you just uh, explained in 1 Timothy 4.13. And we said, you know, we've got to gather, help people gather to listen to the Word together. And so we worked on creating these audio drama Bibles, of one of which you're here tonight. In lots of different languages, we currently have 11 different languages. And because we're a small organization, we're a private family foundation in New York City, we don't have the ability to reach millions of people. But folks like yourselves and many other ministries are able to do that. I mean, just to name a few, we work with people like Youth for Christ, Fellowship for Christian Athletes, Focus on the Family, Prison Fellowship Internationals, I mean, I could go on and on, who are people who uh, have groupings of people who come together for discipleship and mentoring, and what we're doing and working with them to introduce the public reading of Scripture into those mentoring programs so that people have really great content. The Word of God yeah. is the best content, to have that really great content in these group settings, and which allows an easy jump off for the person who's running the group to then have a very fruitful discussion with the people. We don't frankly know how many people are doing this now. 
The Russian Orthodox Church uses it. The Greek Orthodox Church uses it. Many ministries. Uh, we would thank God. It's now millions of people who are listening to, to the word in their language, gathering together in groups. And frankly, the momentum is picking up. We're getting more and more people coming to us saying, how can we do this? And as you know, we have a website, prsi.org, which allows people to uh, get into it. There's, a, there's a codes there, uh, QR codes to allow people to get a an app that you can have on your own phone and download all of the, uh, the different languages of audio drama Bibles, but it's all there for you and help as to how to get started, et cetera. And we'd be very happy to help that. So lots of resources for everybody. And I know a lot of people are, this evening, your PRS, PRS community have enjoyed this for many months now, actually years we've been doing this together. And for if any of you are new tonight, I just want to welcome you to this practice and pray that it will become a practice that or becomes part of your regular spiritual formation practices. Yeah. Amen to that. So there, there's the website in the lower left-hand corner of the screen, and it's a toolbox for those of you who really want to get into public readings of scripture. There's a new phenomena that's been going on for several years now is audio books and audio Bible. And, and a lot of people, maybe you're like me, where you just like to sit back and listen. And uh, you can actually get through more books of the Bible than you realize, even tonight. And mm -hmm. both four chapters in about 30 minutes, and it's minuscule. It's a very little commitment. And so if you know somebody that is interested to sit back and listen to the Bible, well, we're also going to offer time in the middle of the section for reflections and prayer for Israel, as well as the end. So we'll do two chapters in Proverbs, reflection, prayer, and then we'll come back with two chapters of John, and we'll have reflection and prayer. But before we do that, go ahead and share this with people right now, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube, share the link with somebody, at least one person, give them the opportunity to come. And we're still praying for Israel. The battle continues over there. And we also see the meddling of the nations, particularly the United States with Secretary of State Blinken, trying to broker this uh, failed two-state solution idea. These people don't, they don't really know what they're doing. In the meantime, Israel is making serious headway in Khan Yunus and is al already at the Rafah border doing operations, especially on the west side of that. And they're crushing Hamas. The Hamas leader needs to go, as well as the Hezbollah leadership. And a big, hairy, audacious goal is to terminate Iran's influence in the region. Even the Sunni Arab countries see that uh, because the alliance and the magnetism to partner with Russia and China for a lot of these Shiite sympathizers with Iran is very high and it's already been happening for several months. So the Sunni Muslim countries in the Arabian Peninsula are very worried about that. And this is not a political commentary. This is a public reading of scripture. So let's ask Andy, if you'll just pray, and then we're going to go straight into the text. Thank you, Mike. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we are looking forward to entering into your word this evening. We pray that for all of us on the call, you know, we, we all come in a different place in our life. We all come with different needs, different questions, different moments in our lives. And yet your word speaks to all of us. And uh, I just pray, Lord, you bring open eyes and, and open hearts to receive this evening. Holy Spirit, I know you're here with us. Uh, please engage hearts and minds tonight with your word. 
maybe we'll, for some of us today, we need to change quite dramatically some of the things we're doing in our lives. Other people need encouragement. Some people need comforting. And I know, Lord, you will provide all of these through your work tonight. And so we just invite you to join us and have your will be done. But it, we also need to raise up for the nation of Israel, your nation, your people, the Jewish people. We pray especially for those hostages, hostages that are still held. Lord, it's, it, we can't even imagine the circumstances that they're in and what's been happening to them for the last four months or so. Lord, would you protect them? Would you give them a sense of strength and comfort tonight? We pray against the enemies of the evil one. We pray for the IDF forces that they would be safe, minimum of loss of life. And we pray for the people of Israel that they stay strong and not because of all of this, they return to you, Lord. And by returning to God, they also would find Yeshua. And I pray especially for the Connect Project that uh, Behold Israel is just completing right now. That will be a way of communicating back into Israel, to the Jewish people in Israel about the Messiah, who's already come, who's already given his life, who's given us freedom and eternity through his sacrifice on the cross. Would you reintroduce yourself, Lord Jesus, to the people of Israel? And we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So now we're going to move straight into Proverbs chapter 23, pick up where we left off last week. Uh, that was Steve Yon last week that was hosting. He's uh, one of our, he's the senior editor of Behold Israel, and he is uh, our, one of our writers too. So sit back, listen, and see what the Spirit of God says to each one of us. Proverbs 23, New King James Version. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Hmm. I'm so tempted to comment on that, but I won't. <laughs> Maybe later. All, us, all I need to say is don't indulge when, when people are around you, especially wealthy people. Otherwise, they're going to think you're a, a, a taker and a pig. Anyway, let's move on. Do not desire his delicacies. <laughs> For they are deceptive food. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an evil eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The more so you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool. For he who despise the wisdom of your words, or he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not remove the ancient landmark. Hmm. Nor enter the fields of the fatherless. For their redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> it's probably a lot of left-wing liberals not liking that verse. Anyway, verse 14. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself. Yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. 
for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers, mind bibbers, bibbers. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, so. Or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Look at the imagery here. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she's old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will rejoice greatly. And he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. And let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit. And a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? There's a lot of commentary there, Andy, but I'm going to hold off until you finish reading your passage here. Proverbs 24. Yeah, there's always so much in the Proverbs. There's a lot of, you know, in one chapter. God. Chapter 24. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. He who plots to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of foolishness is sin, and the scoffer is, a, is an abomination to man. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deed? My son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. 
Do not lie in wait, a wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displeases him, and he turns away his wrath from him. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the core. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. Prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, for would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he's done to me. I'll render to the man according to his work. I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorn. Its surface was covered with nettles, its stone walls were broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. So there's so much wisdom, concentrated wisdom here. I'm going to open up the chat, and I'm going to ask everybody, what is it that the Lord said to you? But I also want all of us to consider this in the context first personally, and then nationally, and if you look at the wisdom compared to the foolishness, and you look at what's going on in the Middle East and even the Palestinian territories, how their leaders have embraced hate and foolishness and secret sins, and it's kind of ironic, they have a secret underground city underneath the veneer of what would look like a normal city. But underneath this city, in a metaphoric sense, but also in a literal sense, is the headquarters of evil, where the staging of evil has happened. And when you read Proverbs like this, it really cuts to the soul. And I believe that's what the New Testament meant, where the word of God is like a sharp two-edged sword, cutting asunder soul and spirit. Andy, we covered a lot, and you can see some of the comments and prayers there as we move along, but what's one thing that really spoke to you? What did the Spirit of God say to you in either of these chapters? Well, I knew you were going to ask me this, so in, I read, obviously, before I came on the air, and I was prepared to say something, but it's funny, as I read through it, something else struck me, so I'm, I think uh, I'm going to share that with you. 
which is verse 12 of chapter 24. It says, if you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to the I mean, to me, that just speaks to the audience of one that we have. You know, the, the scripture says, where can I go to hide? You know, if I go here, you're here. If I go somewhere else, you know, our God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything in our mind. And there's no place that we can go. And so it just encouraged me to think about purity in my own life and, you know, not trying to get too close to sin, trying to stay away from it and being pure and knowing that God knows everything and knowing that he is the, you know, he is a wrathful God, but he's a righteous God, but he's also a just and loving God. So that was the thing that hit me this evening. Yeah. When you read the last part of chapter 24 about the sluggard, about yes. the apathy, Years ago, we used to do projects for people that, you know, needed work done on their homes or they needed a yard cleanup. And we'd go out there to these places and the person would meet us at the door. Often, you know, I won't mention any names or even specific places, but just, you know, a mustard stained t-shirt with, you know, five day grown beard and greasy, matty hair and the waft of used air coming from the inside out with just a sheer mess and no, no work, poverty. And uh, you can see the screen of a video game that they were playing and somebody else has got an iPad watching. It's, it's all of this apathy and connected to all of these sensory dopamine rush related, you know, activities. And here we are cleaning up yards now. It gets you thinking of passages like this and what led to that situation. But I will say, after we did some of this work in some of these houses, it always triggered a conversation about wisdom, about Jesus, and about how they appreciated everything that we did. A free cleanup of yards, not only one, but many. And not all of them were like this scenario, just a few. And that's why they stand out in my mind. And as I would drive away from places like that, I'd have that feeling of thankfulness that God has enabled me to pay it forward, really. But on the other hand, kind of frightened by what could happen to any of us if we throw in the spiritual towel of diligence and hard work. And it says it very clearly here. Neither you or I said this, Andy. Poverty shall come like a prowler, and your need like an arm, and your need like an armed man. What a word picture. So it's funny, Mike. This was the passage that I picked before I read tonight to to talk about. Okay. So, so you and I were in similar thought patterns. You know, God works in that way. Look at the right side of the screen. We have people praying and writing down their prayers for Israel. I've said this so many times, folks. None of us are in a position to really fly over to Israel, sit with the IDF, Mossad, and be agents for 
this war or to go to the front battle with a rifle or even work behind the scenes with office work. They got it. They have people, they're doing it. A lot of you wonder what you could do. What could we do? Well, this is what you do. You come here, you listen to scripture, you get wisdom from the spirit of God. You take it into real life and you write down your prayer for Israel. Don't you think that every single prayer, every letter of every prayer, God is right now watching and he's listening. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. I, it's such an honor to even be able to host something like this, just to watch the spirit of God move. So keep that going, friends. I'm going to close it for now because we're going to go on over to John. And uh, we're going to pick up in John chapter 5. If you ask me, people ask me, what's my favorite book of the Bible? I don't know what my favorite is, but one of my preferred books of the Bible is John, just because of the, the signs, the seven signs that John uses there and the stories. And it's designed for people to come to faith. And it says it explicitly at the very end of the book. John chapter 5. Yeah. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called, in Hebrew, Beit Chesda. It comes from two Hebrew words, Beit, house, Chesed, mercy, mercy house, having five porches. And the reason why they called it Beit Chesda is because God chose to heal certain people there and exhibit his mercy on their behalf. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. You imagine that? Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. So he's frustrated. He can't get in the pool because he assumes that the pool is the solution to his problem. And the pool is capable of healing him. And little does he know he's talking to the ultimate healer. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. So <laughs> he did. So then they asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Ooh, that's a sobering statement, huh? The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The drama ensues. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Unbelievable. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. 
Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he mentions the word work because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Many people say, oh, hey, you know, the, the deity of Christ, it doesn't say that the father and son are one. We just read that. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute justice or judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in this light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. Hmm. Folks, can you imagine what these religious Jews are thinking with this sermon, this teaching? but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father there is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. 
For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Shiver just ran down my spine. This is true authority. He is owning them. They thought they were the masters of the law. Jesus came in. Jesus is the law. He is the word of God. And he just gave them a dose of an honest mirror and they could not escape it. I love it. And I'm not going to say more. We're going to go straight over to John chapter six. Chapter six. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a laddie who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fifth, as much as they wanted. So then when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who'd eaten. Then those men, when they'd seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself, alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose, because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone, however, but the boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. 
and they said to him, what shall we do that we may work, work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What, what work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I've come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink in peace. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? 
what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, uh, I'm going to open up the chat again here. I know there's a lot of observations, and we're going to keep the prayers going for Israel and the situation there, but there's an observation I never really thought of until we read these two chapters, and that is, is that Jesus had the moral, intellectual, social, political courage to look people straight in their, their eyes and give them the truth and in, even admits these are hard things. He did that, and that kind of inner spiritual strength is something that I crave. It's, for me, it's, Andy, it's a stylistic approach where he is naturally embodying and emanating the truth everywhere in a manner which really cuts down to the soul uh, and spirit of a person. And if the heart was hard, like it was in the religious people back then, then that's their bad. But I love how, even in the end, he warns them and says, one of you will betray me. You know, he does not skimp on any ounce of the truth. And that's a challenge for me to be more, to have that fortitude, to have that courage, to fear only God. And what did you take away from this, Andy? Well, I have to say, I've always loved Simon's, Simon Peter's response. You know, when asked, all the disciples were leaving because of this hard teaching. And it is a hard teaching when you talk about eating my body and drinking my blood, right? If you don't see it in the spiritual light, it's a hard teaching. And everybody left and he, talks, he turns to the 12 and said, do you want to leave too? And Simon Peter just said, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, that sense of there is no alternative, right? There is no plan B. You are truth. You are reality. You are the way, the truth, and the life. There is nowhere else for a, you know, for a humble fisherman like myself to go except to follow you. And I've always loved that about Simon Peter, who, you know, I think of all the disciples, I kind of resonate with the most with Simon Peter's. And I think the other thing that I picked up on, which is always very important to me at the end of chapter five, you know, when Jesus says, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life 
In other words, you know, in the Old Testament, that was the scriptures they were referring to here. They didn't have the New Testament, that they were looking for eternal life in there. But he says, these are which they which testify of me. So Jesus says about himself that the Old Testament is that which testifies of me. And in fact, when you go to the Bible, you're looking for Jesus. And it's through Jesus then that you have eternal life. And I just, I, I think that and he talks later on about Moses. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so, you know, it's just this, that Jesus is entwined through all of the scripture, right? The, the law and the prophets. And, and as he says, he's come to fulfill them. So, you know, and, and I remember in Amir's testimony, you know, he came to know Jesus as Messiah through the Old Testament, not through the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first chapter of Isaiah really cut into yeah. his soul. You know, it's funny you mention that because Jesus says straight to the religious elite who were well st studied, they knew the Bible far more than the common people. And the common people looked up to them for that. And he looks them straight in the face and says, you don't even... You don't even follow Moses, because if you did, yeah, you would believe in me, because yeah. he wrote about me. Who gets yeah. to say such things besides the actual, authentic Son of God? Well, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember, when he finishes in chapter 8, it says that the people were astonished, astonished, because he spoke with such authority. I, I just love that. Me too. I had a shiver run down my spine. And we know him. He lives in us as believers. Yeah. It's impossible in the eyes of men. Yet it's, it's real. And uh, here we are reading scripture in our imperfect state with a community of people live, praying for Israel. God is moving. Look at all your prayers, people. And by the way, when you write these down, it isn't immediate. It takes time before it populates. I think most of you have figured that out right now. But let it be said here and now, every single prayer that's recorded on Facebook and YouTube community channel is there. God hears it. Your observations are there. What we've said, it stands from this point on in history. And may the word of the Lord continue to touch lives as it is listened to in all over the places of the world, in its own languages. And so with that being said, I'm going to close the chat. And Andy, any final words before we pray and adjourn our meeting tonight? You know, every time you and I get together to do this, and we're surrounded by so many people watching online, which I think people think of as such an impersonal way of being together in community. I don't know about you, Mike, but I just sense the community, yeah. right? We're together. And I sense all the people who are praying. I sense the people who are reading the, the chapters along with us. Uh, you and I together. I mean, I have such a wonderful time and joyful time reading the scripture. And the Holy Spirit is binding us together. And I think when, when we come to the scriptures and hear them in community, even as imperfect as this community is, given you know the technology, etc. The Holy Spirit, I think, challenges us and brings insight to us and edification to us in a way that we often don't get when we just read it on our own. 
And, you know, that's the joy of the public reading of Scripture. And, and, you know, whenever you saw the public reading of Scripture in the Old Testament, you referred to the response of the people when they heard God's word was typically repentance. You know, when you really hear what God has to say about who we are, who he is, what he wants us to do, what we have done, the, mo- the, the, the response that most people have is just repentance. And God, my prayer tonight is that as our people listen tonight, you know, it, it will have changed lives because that's what God wants the, his word to do is to change lives. You know, with that being said, can you actually close us in prayer with that, that beautiful spirit that you just yeah. articulated that? Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Let's all, all around the world, let's pray together. Father, thank you for bringing this community together. Thank you for even the technology that allows it to be possible. And even though we're separated by millions of miles between all of us, we are one in our hearts for you, Jesus. We belong to one kingdom. We have one king. We have one truth. And we stand on the words of God. Every word of God we can stand on. And Lord, I just pray even tonight that there were words, and I know I've heard words tonight that I need to think about. I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit guided us. It talked to us individually about things that we need to repent of, be comforted of, be bolder about, all different ways that the Holy Spirit would speak to us as a community. Lord, would we not ignore the call of the Holy Spirit on our lives? Would we not ignore the small, calm voice? Would we respond? not just be listeners of the word, but be doers of the word, as scripture says of itself. And Lord, in the way we live our lives, in the little communities, in the areas of your creation that you have planted us to be your messenger, your ambassador, would we be even more impactful for the kingdom, not because of what we do, but because of what you do through us with your power and your love, because of our understanding of who you are and what you want us to do is through a deeper understanding of Scripture. So, Lord, what a wonderful time we've had tonight. Thank you. Praise, praise, praise God. Praise Jesus. Praise the Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before you all go, remember, I'm going to throw this up here on the screen. Follow Amir's Telegram. This is Fuel of Information to understand what's going on in Israel and around the world to, so that you can engineer your prayers and be able to make a difference. And that app, you just click on the QR code to the left. It'll bring you straight to the channel. That's a beautiful thing. And if you haven't already looked at and considered the Mediterranean cruise next year, Pastor Barry Stagner and Amir will be teaching through the books of Daniel and Revelation on the Sea of the Mediterranean. So I know that sounds like an infomercial, because it is. <laughs> and I'm not going to say what, what ministries we have going on here. But Andy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's do it again soon, Mike. Yes, we shall indeed. And we will be here every week. We'll see you all next week, same time, same place. Uh, Until then, continue listening to God's word, continue to to pray for Israel, 
And the Lord is up to some amazing things behind the scenes. So goodbye for now, everybody. And shalom, shalom. Shalom. Here.